0: This is the Benefits Buzz podcast, your weekly pulse on what's happening in the world of employee benefits. Brought to you by your friends at WEX who believe in simplifying benefits for everyone. Now listen up and let's get buzzed. Hey yo, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Benefits Buzz. Ooh, 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 ooh. I am super excited for this episode. Kelsey, we have our CEO on the podcast. How great is this?
1: I'm a little bit starstruck. I don't know. It just feels <laughs> extra right? special today, and I can't help but notice that
0: we both wore some fancy shirts today, just for Melissa. We <laughs> did. We did. You, you see so many of those company updates and the big company, you know, webinars. You're like, and now here we are. We get a chance to talk to our CEO Melissa Smith, and we're talking about a really, really powerful topic too, which I'm super excited that she's on the show to talk about this and and really, uh, you know, j- you know, talking about really women in leadership um, and. So some of the barriers that are there and talk about Melissa's journey um, and some of the things that she's overcome and some of the things that she's learned and gleaned. And there's going to be tons of advice I know for our listeners uh, who are tuning in. So without further ado, we've been talking to her as if she's not even on the call, but she's here. Melissa Smith, welcome to the podcast.
2: I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're super pumped uh, that you are on the on the podcast, and like I said, we're not nervous at all. This is going to be a super fun <laughs> conversation. Uh, this is great. great. Well, I, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to start with uh, I want to start with sort of laying the, the landscape a little bit, right? I, I think um, that we know, and our producer Hayden. Uh, we were chatting before the show, you know, pull some stats. And one of the biggest things that, you know, that are really that we're looking at as kind of the set the stage is we've got uh, a stat that that only 7.4% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women, right? And it doesn't take a, a rocket science to understand that there's a huge underrepresentation, right? And there's a lot of things at play here. And I think um, having you um, as the CEO of our organization and just being able to, I've been with the company for about two years and watching. Uh, Your leadership and your guidance has been such a phenomenal way to just kind of watch. And I want to bring your story to our listeners. And so um, maybe let's start by having our audience get to know you just a little bit, right? So maybe start by talking about how long have you been at WEX and how long have you been in your current role as chair and CEO? It's interesting. I feel
2: like in part, I grew up at WEX and I started over 20 years ago and and we Uh were... You know, a little bitty company. I had 50 million in revenue when I first started uh, in 1997. So to put that wow. in perspective, it was many, many moons ago. And you know, part of what I've loved about this company is that it just—you know—it it evolves. You know, you have to change in order to meet where you are at the moment you're in, and uh, and the company has changed, and and I feel like I've grown up and changed with it. That's so awesome. what did
0: yeah, that's crazy. I love that you've been here for so long. I would agree, right? Like you sort of you grew up really at Wax. And I'd love to kind of hear, you know, just to, to dive a bit deeper, Melissa, what did that what did that um that journey look like for you when you started in ninety seven and sort of where you're at now in 2021? Um, you know, what was sort of your career path to get to where you're at? Yeah.
2: So I I like to joke and say I've done eight different things and that, you know, the period of time that I've been here and it's been in really, it, you know, it's been whatever has been needed. I, I mm. started, um, I, my background, I worked for Ernst & Young before okay. I came to work uh, at Wax and I started in the finance organization and worked my way up and um, ultimately became the CFO in 2001. So still a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And we took the company public in 2005, which was an amazing milestone in my career. And, um, you know, at that point in time, we were under 200 million in revenue. So still a relatively small company. And, you know, it was a big deal. It was kind of that was when the company started to really grow up. And uh, it gave us a lot of freedom. And um, it was a super fun period of time. And, uh, and then from there, I became uh, responsible for technology operations, and then ultimately became president of the U.S. part of the business and then president globally, then CEO, and then uh, chair and CEO. So I've been CEO for seven years now.
1: What a cool path. And, you know, something that you said really struck me, um, that you went wherever you were needed or you do did whatever was needed. And I think that's something that's such a common denominator across great leaders is you go where the need is, not necessarily where, you know, um, you see yourself going. So I guess my question is, um, did you always envision yourself becoming the CEO of a, a global organization like Wex or what were your aspirations? You know, 20 years ago when you first started in 1997?
2: Yeah. I've never been driven based on title. So mm-hmm. I was not, I didn't have an aspiration or an endpoint um, really at any time in my career. I love to learn. I love to be around people and um and that was really you know for me i wanted to make sure that i was always growing and developing and, and learning something new and um kind of early in my career part of what uh, i was responsible for is something was broken or something wasn't working mm-hmm. came mine and it didn't really matter if it was in my sphere of influence it was just an extra project and you know i, I so i would pick up on what you just said and know really advocate for the fact that you know sometimes the assignments were not fun they were not glamorous (laughs) (laughs) um but they were important to the company and but it allowed i i I think you know ultimately the board to see me doing things were outside of my normal uh my normal area and so that they could see you know what i was capable of doing beyond my day job and i've always felt like if you make the person's job ahead of you so whoever you work for if you make that easier, that's, you know, that's just a good reflection on you. So if you can lean into a little bit of other people's space, uh, you know, it actually creates opportunity for you. We just did
1: an episode on that actually about leading up to your leader and, you know, helping them and, you know, removing barriers for them the same way that they remove barriers for you. So I love that. And I love that you said um, that you never aspired for a certain title, because I think everyone can breathe a little sigh of relief and know that when somebody asks you where you see yourself in five years, you don't have to say CEO of a global <laughs> organization. It doesn't I actually you don't have, have to know. Like, Me
2: I, too. I, I, like, I just don't, I, I don't understand it because like, I think that being open is a big part of life and, yeah. um, and you don't really know where your path's going to take you. And like these kind of defined things you know, I I just feel like it actually puts blinders on for you in a way that's absolutely helpful. Absolutely. I love that.
0: Yeah. Like a good blend between the goals you want to achieve, but not right. Like feeling like you have to keep these, these road, these guardrails of what your career is going to be. So I love that. Good, good, good. Like I said, the pressure's off, right? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but that's great. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I think at the same time, you know, I, I think you're being absolutely humble, which is great, but I, but I do, you know, you have a lot of passion, you have determination and it, and it took a lot of work to get where you're at. Um, and I know those things don't happen by accident. And he talked about some of the way to get there. Did you, did you build that confidence internally? Did you have someone or people like a, I always talk about everyone should have their own personal board of directors so they can turn to for advice or motivation. Did you have that within your career or, or did you finally had to self manifest that yourself?
2: Well, I think I've been lucky that I had that, you know, throughout different parts of my life. They've been really important, you know, starting with my mother. Mm. You know, my mother was one of those people who really pushed um, all of us. There's three of us. Um, she had three daughters. And she wanted to make sure that we were um, you know making sure that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing in life, which means challenging ourselves and putting ourselves in positions where we weren't comfortable. And so I started with her. and then in college, I had this professor because I grew up in a really small town, and you didn't really understand options, even what uh-huh. your career could be. And I was lucky when I went to college, I had a professor who used to, write little notes on my tests and, you know, ultimately talked me into going into public accounting, um, which, you know, at the time I thought would have been, like the most boring thing in the world, <laughs> <laughs> it was incredibly, you know, background and training, you know, and that's really what he convinced me is I know that sounds like it's not particularly interesting, but it's going to give you good grounding and it's going to enable you mm. to do other things in life. And, um, you know, and, and when I started at Wax, I, um, you know, I don't think I did this uh, intentionally, but I would advise people to do this intentionally. I made connections with our board and I made connections with a bunch of people on our board. And mm. I did that because I truly felt like I could learn from them. Um, but what I ended up doing was building relationship and creating sponsors for me as I moved through my career. And um, and I, I really think that that sponsorship has had a huge amount to do with my success. Uh, it, and also what it also enabled me to do was get feedback one of the things you learn is the more senior you get, it's hard to get feedback because people uh, want to say yeah. things that you want to hear. And so the more senior you get, the more you actually have to intentionally create that capability. And um, when I was a CFO, the chair of the audit committee at the time was just fantastic. Like he would, he would tell me lots of things I was doing well, but if he was doing something he didn't think that I should be doing, or if I was subpar on some area, mm-hmm. it was very clear. To point that out to me and I um, and what it allowed me to do is just get this connection point that uh, I where I could grow and um, and really think about, you know, what do I want to what do I want my legacy to be in each particular role I've been in and um, and have someone externally help nurture that uh, was really important
0: and i think a big thing is is for you to be open to that criticism right i think that's a that's a big piece of it i'm a a big listener of adam grant and organizational psychology and he has a whole you know a Ted podcast talking about like the whole one is on criticism right and how how important it is to to be able to to take criticism as a way to continue to get better and it sounds like you've really embraced that which i think again is a really important piece right someone's brave enough to tell you right that you need to that you need <laughs> to continue to improve and then for you to have right the be open enough to say you're right there's still places that i need to grow and learning and better at and that's okay so
2: i think that's really important and I- Actually, I think for women, too, um, it's really important to be able to hear. And also um, there's certain voices you have to be able to block out because you're going to have people Mm. in your life that talk in a way that isn't going to be helpful to you. And so you have to learn how to tone out the voices that are going to not be helpful, but also be open enough to hear the ones that are really there to support you and to help further your career and draw from that and there's a real fine balance between those two things and i think in particular you have to also block out the voice of your own own self that might be saying i can't do this or i don't think i'm capable and uh, you know there's this narrative that often runs um in women's heads that isn't helpful as they Mm. further their careers And, and you have to learn how to tone that down too
1: I was just thinking the same thing
2: when you were talking about, you know, quieting the voices that don't
1: help you. And I'm like, what if that's your own voice? Then what do you, yeah. do? you know what I mean? And I think that's, <laughs> that's hitting the nail on the head. Exactly. Um, you know, I think that's the perfect segue into um, Eric mentioned this stat right when we kicked off the show today 7.4% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women. That's a astonishingly low number so I'm just curious Melissa what does gender equality in the workplace mean for you
2: it means for me this idea that um, people have the same chance and they believe that they have the same chance and so job opens up each candidate feels like they have an equal shot at it uh, you know obviously gender pay uh, it, it is important as well but I, th- I think of that is frankly that's baseline, you know, there's an expectation you should be paid the same amount for the same job. And that's, you know, that's just good hygiene. But beyond that, just making sure that people feel like they have the same level of opportunity.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and something you said a little bit ago, too, about the voices in women's heads, right? Um, And how we're sometimes our our own toughest critic. you know, studies show that women are less likely to apply for a position if they're not 100% qualified, where, you know, maybe our male counterparts are applying and they're only, you know, I'll throw a number out there, 50 or 75% qualified based on what's on the job description. Um, why do you think that is?
2: You know, it's interesting. I, I see that play out. Uh, you know, we've obviously got a lot of women at WAX at senior levels, and um, and you you actually do see that play out day to day and uh, just level of confidence in the same situation. And um, I don't know that I can tell you why it is, but I can tell you that it's that it's real. Mm-hmm. And it's something that women struggle with of having that confidence and that same level of confidence in the same situation. And, um, you know, part of what I think about my role in that. Uh, is that we've moved to as much as people apply for jobs, also pe- pulling people up in the organization. So yeah. um, you know you're identifying talent and you're moving them across the organization as well as letting them self-identify for the roles that they want to be in. And I think if if you're a manager, it's it's just rep- it's recognizing the fact that the person in front of you, if they, if they're showing um, insecurity, uh, just kind of leveling that. And one of the things I end up doing is saying, okay, same situation. I'm gonna have two different people in my office. One is a male, one is a female and they're gonna come in with very different attitudes. Uh, And I have to adjust my mind for that conversation and know that both of those are okay. They just are happening on, on kind of a different spectrum.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's interesting. You you talked about like bringing up. So I, we, you know, in preparation for this episode, we just pulled some stats and and I looked at the the most recent I could find is from 2019. I think a lot of the HR professionals were busy dealing with with the pandemic, but um, I did see 71% of HR professionals are female. Right. So I think about our listenership and a large percent of them are female. However, what I also see here is, um, you know, according to this, women are continuing to losing ground at the first step. that that first step to manager, like they call it the broken run, right? So for every 100 men that are promoted to manager, only 85 were promoted, uh, females were promoted. So there's that disconnect And you talk about, you know, some of it is within your own capacity, your confidence to go, but also it has to be a cultural driven thing, right? To make sure that you are elevating that in your own experience, you know, as you lead this organization, maybe talking about, you know, the way that you've um kind of gotten to where you've gotten have you experienced you know an opportunity where you had to kind of navigate or your journey's been different than maybe a male counterpart or have you experienced anything where you've had to sort of dig deep or um you know ask for assistance or whatever it might be to kind of navigate those waters
2: oh sure like you know it. it- It is different um Mm -hmm. and you know when we first went public i was a young cfo and i remember i would walk into the room and be meeting with a prospective investor and that investor you know they may be making a hundred million dollar decision so it's you know it's a big deal and in the beginning i would walk in and they would react and um you know they react because i didn't fit what they expected Mm. to see Mm -hmm. and um you know as young as a woman and um you know it took it to heart in the beginning and then over time, you know, I actually had been on one call with one of our, our big investors one day, and uh, the head of our investor relations was on the other side of the room with me. The, the investor thought they'd hung up the phone, but they didn't. Oh um, so they had this moment of listening to them talk, and the head of investor relations, he like he jumped across the desk. I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to hear
0: this. I want yeah, absolutely.
2: And, uh, you know, and so what I heard was the um the portfolio manager say the CFO is a chick.
1: Barbara. And
2: I, you know, stopped. Everyone stopped, Steve stopped, the room paused, and then the person that we were working with day to day said, Yes, but she's a geek chick. And I thought, you know, in a weird way he was trying to defend me, you know, <laughs> that they were saying that I was good at what I did. And they actually then went from there to respond to the um, the answers that I'd given them in the QA session that we just had. And you know what, what I took away from that is that, yes, they identified the fact that I was different. It was actually worthy of a conversation, but it didn't affect the choice of whether or not they're going to invest in the company or any of the content of what I delivered to them. And so I had, um, from that point forward, I had this thing in my mind when I'd walk into a room, instead of reacting because I saw this... Um, this reaction by the person on the other side, I would actually remind myself that it made me rememberable. Me you know, mm-hmm. that as I walked into that room, they would remember who I was. And just reframing it. And I think a lot of things, when you're used to being the only one, there's a couple of things that kind of, that really jump out is you become, at least I have, very cognizant of, of the fact that people need to be able to lay eyes on me. So I need to be visual. I need to be, um, something, um, uh, I need to be in a position where people can see me, but also know that I'm going to be one of a few Mm -hmm. that they see. And so I'm going to make an impression. I have to be cognizant of that. Uh, and it, I think that increases my level of, of feeling responsible as a result, you know, but at the same time, like you can frame it in your, in your mind as a positive and, uh, and with this idea that you're going to be memorable. I love that. I, I mean, just
1: taking that scenario that happened to you and spinning it into a positive, where it's like, "Hey, now I stand out because I'm female, not because I'm not male." Um, is so powerful. So powerful.
2: So I'm an endurance. I'm an endurance athlete, so I think about things of okay, I I I run road races, I I do triathlons, and you know it's that same thing. Like actually, it's mental framing of how you get your mind to get over the fact that your body's telling you to stop it's that same thing when you go into an environment where you know it might be uncomfortable it's it's how you trick your mind out to be in a place that you can accept what's about to happen and do it in a way that brings out the best in yourself i love it i mean i was going to ask you next you know what
1: are some of the challenges that you face because the c-suite is so male dominated but in the spirit of keeping things on the positive and making your mind go toward the positive instead of the negative, <laughs> what are some of the things that are on your side because you're a female?
2: Yeah, I think that this, um, you know, beyond being memorable, um, you know, I, I feel like women when bring to the table is an ability to um, think about things in an empathetic way and to try to really balance the what and the how, um, and I'm not saying that that men can't do that, but I think that we are um, more comfortable leaning into the idea that the relationships and the relationships that we've formed are an important part of how things get delivered. And, know um, that's part of the culture of the company, the CEO before me, you know, Mike Dubiak was great at that as well. You know, he was really comfortable in the setting of picking the best athlete. Uh, and that's really the legacy that I've been trying to carry forward is this idea that, you know, I want the people to feel like they have an equal shot kind of regardless of gender or any diversity, um, and so that we create an environment that is really inclusive and very accepting. Um, and I, you know, I think that, um, as we've added more women into the executive leadership team or on the board, you know, 40% of our board are female. Um, which is kind of a remarkable statistic compared to what you say, you know, and and there's a depth of the conversation, which I think has to do with the blending of people who have just different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And um, so I don't know that I would say, you know, that just having all women would be good either. You know, I think that having this combination of people that come at um, life from very different perspectives is really, really powerful and also really hard. Yeah, people talk about diversity, and it's you know it's a big topic now. But what I would just add to when you bring people together that fundamentally view the world in a different way, it requires a lot of thought of how you have those exchanges, so, because it creates great energy and it creates great outcomes. But it's really hard, and um, and you can see that play out in, in different parts of of the company. And I think the the you know all the work that goes into it is worth it because the outcomes are so great.
1: I love that. We actually just did an episode not that long ago with Gimbala Sankari on diversity and inclusion. It was so, I mean, he is fantastic. It was such a cool episode. Um, And so I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's great that we have 40% of... our, I think you said our board is 40% women. That's awesome. But I totally agree with you. I mean, it's also important to think about like different races, ethnicities, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. being inclusive in all areas as well. So I love yeah, it. Yeah,
2: it, it's it, it's race, uh, you know, you, you can kind of go through the list. I also like having people who have worked in different environments, large company, small company, mm. you know, I, I, it's bringing together people who just fundamentally have different background. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's, amazing, um, but also just can be difficult in the moment. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm smiling, so I was thinking of you. You mentioned that you were, you know, you were a long-distance a long runner, and uh, and you kind of had that mindset. I'm also, I'm, I'm thinking that's a really great mindset to overcome. But I'm also laughing because we just did the Wex Park event and we had a virtual 5K, and you did running for that. And I, uh, I hosted with Kelsey. And we're like, she's running so fast during her 5K clip. How is she? And Now it all makes sense because I struggled with my 5K a lot. It was just a small anecdote I had to share. I didn't. <laughs> it all makes sense now.
2: It, I grew up on a farm. I actually have to be outside. Like I, I, need, I need fresh air. and Running, for me, is my stress reliever. And yes. So, yeah, I love the fact that you incorporated lots of different ways of, of getting people outside.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, small side note. Like, this makes <laughs> a lot more sense now. And maybe, to, maybe as we wrap here, I think this has been really, really good. Um, as I think typically what we like to do, uh, you know, at the end of our shows is, you know, really put ourselves in the shoes of our listeners. Um, And, you know, again, so you've done, I think, a really nice job. And I think the rest of the team and and Melanie Tinto and and her team have made this place a really great environment, I think, especially for diversity, uh, gender inclusion, and just making sure there's opportunities for everyone. You know, if there's an individual, there are things that you've learned when you run this organization. If we have HR professionals who are maybe in an environment that don't necessarily have that, are there any recommendations that you would give to, like, Things that you've learned, or, or uh, recommendations to start moving towards that type of culture or that environment—kind of that one piece of advice you could on this topic that they might take away and, and glean from.
2: Yeah, and, and it's probably going to be a little bit obvious to the people I'm talking to, but you start at the top. Like, mm. if you get the top of the house and um, in order, then you know. One of the things that is interesting to me—I will meet with interns that pick wax. Um, And these are female interns that pick wax, because there's a female CEO Mm. and it has nothing to do with me. It could be, you know, some other person, but it's the idea that they want to come into an organization and get exposure to a place where they, they can see that you have a shot at the top. And, um, and I think that that factors through the rest of the organization. So if I had one, one thing to pick, it would be that. Um, and when you do, you, you make sure that um, that you're picking women that are going to support other women.
1: So I do have one more question before we let you go, Melissa, and that's, um, I want to challenge our listeners. So when they leave today or when they're done listening to this podcast today, we're talking to HR professionals. That's the people who are listening with us today. So what is one thing that we can challenge them to go to do when it it comes to their benefits package to help with gender equality in the workplace?
2: Yeah, I can tell you from one from my own personal experience. So in 2014, I became pregnant with my first child. It was like right after I became CEO and um, it ended up being a pretty big deal because I was the first public company CFO that CEO that we could find at the time that uh, had become pregnant while CEO. And um, then I went on my maternity leave. And when I came back, there was a couple of things. That, you know, First of all, it bothered me that maternity leave was called short term disability. Um, Mm -hmm. But I got over that. And what we changed was making our short term disability paid at 100%. So our employees in the United States get 12 weeks of short term disability fully paid. And then we added in um, parental leave, uh, six weeks of paid leave. And I think that's really important because it allows uh, the person who's taking time off, whether they're having their own child or they're adopting or whatever circumstance they're in to take time off, but also allows, um, the spouse or partner to also participate in that. And it takes the burden off the primary person who's often a woman. And, um, you know, I don't think I would have ever made those changes, frankly, if I hadn't gone through it myself. And so it was an important part of what I learned by going through my own maternity leave. But I, if I had one thing to leave behind, it would be that. I love
1: that. I mean, when I had my son, um, I was lucky because my husband is in the school system. So it was summertime and he was actually home with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I would have done had he had to have gone to work every single day. And it would have just been me and this newborn because I had no clue what I was doing. So I mean, I speak for everyone at WEX when I say we're so appreciative that you, you know, keep it gender neutral too. You know what I mean? Um, Allow the spouses, like you said, or partners or, you know, whoever to be there to support the, mm-hmm. the new mom or even adoption, such a huge thing that I think is missing in a lot of organizations. So very yeah.
0: Cool. yeah. Great what a together. yeah what a great example of taking not only the concept but then really putting action behind it and and so what a great example well melissa thank you so much for coming on the show i what a, what a fun conversation we appreciate you just being candid and telling your story there's so much to glean from there i know our list has really appreciated it and i did write down your note to, to make sure and reach out you know to the to the board members and make those connections so, <laughs> all so i'll reach out for phone numbers and names whenever we get a moment here but <laughs> um, thank you so much we really appreciate it. and hopefully we can we can see everyone again in person some time soon thank you
2: yeah thank you have a good day
0: wax is in the business of simplifying benefits for everyone now although we certainly hope our podcast sparks some aha moments like that was pretty cool but of course we cannot provide legal investment or financial advice and well therefore nothing shared in this podcast should be interpreted as such we encourage you to seek out appropriate professional advice regarding your plans hey congratulations you made it through our disclaimer <laughs> thanks for listening